You are Locked On Raiders, your daily Oakland Raiders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash. With a silver hat about his head. And a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country. A villain big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And won. What up, Raider Nation? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast. It is Monday, December 16, 2019. Your boy Q here. You can find me on Twitter, as many of you do, at your boy Q254. And you can always hit up that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. This Monday's episode is getting up much later. Matter of fact, it's getting recorded much later than it normally would. I'm still in the West Coast. I'm still in Dublin at my homeboy Daniel's house. And uh, yeah, just haven't got back to Central Texas yet. Me and the wife have been uh, here in Cali and yeah, just haven't got back to our regular schedule. And, and I'm not going to lie to you, Raider Nation, this weekend has really worn me out. Been in Cali since uh, Friday evening and kind of been on the go, on the go, on the go. And I'll tell you, after that um, disappointing loss on uh, Sunday for the Raiders, really just got to the house, got to my homeboy Daniel's house. And me and the wife looked at each other. and We're like, man, we're going to bed. <laughs> we're going to bed. It was like eight o'clock. It was early. I don't care. Call, talk about us. Call us old. It's all good. I was like, man, I'm exhausted. I am going to sleep. So after the game, we had gone to gone to Ricky's Sports Bar in San Leandro just because the wife had never experienced that. So I definitely thought I'd take her by there. And I'll tell you that if I hadn't taken her by there, it would have been okay. Uh, Ricky's just wasn't where Ricky's used to be. And that's kind of disappointing as well. And it's kind of fitting for the weekend, right? The Raiders go out with a disappointing loss, and then you go to Ricky's and think that you're going to have that experience that you always used to have, and that was pretty disappointing as well. And if you've never been to Ricky's, then you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But back in the day, man, Ricky's in San Leandro, and I don't know when this kind of changed, but... Ricky's in San Leandro was off the hook. That was a place to be. That was that was the mecca of, of Raider Nation. If you weren't going to be at the Coliseum, you had to be at Ricky's. You know, that was, that was just a spot to go. And unfortunately, uh, it was really busy. Actually, it wasn't even really busy <laughs> Sunday night. It was just... Uh, the waitresses were overwhelmed. Uh, it took forever to get food. It was, I mean, the the, the uh, ATM machine or not ATM machine, but the the debit card that you couldn't pay with your card anymore. You had to only pay cash. Uh, people were walking out because they weren't getting service. I mean, it was just all bad, and it's just not what I remember Ricky's being. And so I kind of wish that I hadn't gone there just because that wouldn't have been my lasting memory of, of a great place. And so uh, I'm not discouraging to, you to go there, but just know that it wasn't what I remember Ricky's being. And, and again, that's that's all I can go on is what my memory tells me. So that was disappointing. After that, man, and got into the Uber, got back to my homeboy's house. I, like I told, told the wife, hey, man, we're just going to go to sleep. I'm so tired. So uh, kind of slept in uh, this Monday morning just trying to get my wits about myself. So again, uh, recording this episode much later than I normally do, getting it up much later than it normally would be. But uh, I appreciate the support and I appreciate everyone who understands uh, how this weekend has kind of gone and the whirlwind that we've been living in the last couple of days. And so uh, that's the reason why it is getting uh, up later than it normally would. 
Today, today's episode, before I really get into it, I want to let you know is uh, being brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Uh, they combine multiple supportive memory phones for a quality sleep service with the right amount of both sync and bounce. And you know, if you get a mattress, man, you got to have the, the right amount of sync and bounce, right? Not too much sync and not too much bounce. You can get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked on NFL and using the locked on NFL code at checkout. Terms and conditions, they always apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, don't worry. You can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. It's as simple as that. Matter of fact, I don't know, but the mattress that uh, that my homeboy Daniel has at his house, that might be a Casper mattress because that's pretty stinking comfortable. So uh, shout out to Casper and uh, shout out to Daniel for uh, for hosting me and, and the wife. And we've had a really good time all weekend long. So coming up on today's show, what I got for you in segment number three, as I always do, your call straight off the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line 707-654-4693 and it's funny because I had a lot of sounds that I recorded while I was at the game on Sunday and I was going to bring them to the podcast because I figured it was going to be matter of fact on Friday I guaranteed the Raiders were going to come up with a victory because you don't close out the Coliseum with a loss right so I just recorded a bunch of different sounds um, you know Charles Woodson at halftime talking and the crowd reacting uh, walking down the you know the 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 entryway, just hearing the sounds. I was recording all that stuff thinking, man, it was going to be a celebratory podcast today. Well, as we all know, it's not because the Raiders ended up losing the game 20 to 16 to the Jaguars. And really, it still hurts me to even say that because I'm just so disappointed that they closed out the Coliseum with an L like that, especially the way that they lost. Just really unbelievable. So we'll get your thoughts in segment number three. Again, those calls straight off the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. In segment number two, I want to talk about the Coliseum. I want to talk about the the way that it closed, the way that the team closed it, the way that the fans celebrated in the parking lot before. I mean, it was a hell of a party. Obviously, we had our big Locked On Raiders podcast uh, tailgate party, a huge success, huge success. Many, many thanks to everybody who contributed, helped out in any shape or form, any shape, way or form. Uh, Rob and Anna did a hell of a job. Uh, Red Beard Raider and his sister. No, I'm just kidding. It's not really a sister, but that's just a nice running joke that we got going on. Uh, yeah, they... Uh, they did a hell of a job. Uh, lots of folks, lots of folks contributed in many, many different ways. Lots of folks came out, said hello, shook hands, took pictures, everything, man. Anyone who had anything to do with the tailgate, many salutes to you because it was awesome. And I'll obviously talk about it more in segment number two. But I just want to talk about the whole atmosphere, the whole game, the whole everything from the beginning of the game, the beautiful start to the game, to the ugly ending of the game and the ugliness that happened after the game. I definitely have a little bit of complaints and, and I do think Raider Nation we, we should do better <laughs> I'll just say it like that and then I'll get into it more in segment number two but we need to do better we, we really do what we had at the end of the game on Sunday was was kind of um, well it wasn't kind of not cool it was it was not cool and, and like I said I'll speak on it more in segment number two here in segment number one, I always give you the news and the notes of the day, unless it's right after a game day, then I just talk about the game. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, we all know the ugly truth. The Raiders dropped to six and eight on the season. They fell to the Jaguars 20 to 16 after leading the game 16 to three at halftime. They were up 16 to three at halftime and the Jaguars score 17 unanswered points. Unbelievable. Really just an unbelievable performance by the Raiders, the tale of two halves. Uh, you know, a lot of times people are going to point the finger at the defense. A lot of times people are going to point the finger at Paul Gunther and say he's not a very good defensive coordinator. He can't get it done, can't get this defense straight. But look, the defense allowed 75 total yards of offense in the first half. The Jaguars had like two first downs in the first half. Like two, like two first downs in the first half, and then they come back in the second half and have 17 unanswered points. And yeah, 
You could talk about the defense allowing them to get those 17 unanswered points, but you could also talk about the offense not promoting, not, not promoting, not, not, uh, complimenting the defense and doing anything. I mean, zero points and two missed field goals in the second half. You can't win games like that. Matter of fact, I mean, all, all the drives that the Raiders were scoring on in the first half, they score the first drive, they get a touchdown. That's great. But then the rest of their scoring was all field goals. And, and I talk about field goals all the time. You don't win games with field goals. Yeah, you could extend the lead, but you don't put teams away by kicking field goals. When you kick a field goal, that's a, a win for the defense, and that allows that team to stay in, in, in the game. And the Raiders scored. Instead of scoring four times and scoring touchdowns, they scored one touchdown and then three field goals. That keeps the Jaguars in the game, and that allows the game to be, you know, close at, at halftime. Even though 16-3, to you think, okay, that's a nice lead. The Raiders will come out, score some more, score 10 to 14 more points. Should be able to put the game away. I, I mean, I was at halftime thinking, okay, they're going to come out, put 10 points up on the board, and boom. Bada boom, bada bing, we're going to be talking about a celebration. Uh, we're going to party and, and be excited about the way they close out the Coliseum. Well, instead, they come out and stink up the joint in the second half and score nothing. Absolutely nothing. Darren Waller, he had a big day, eight catches, 122 yards. He went over 1,000 yards for the season. Both him and Josh Jacobs have over 1,000 yards. That's awesome. That's a great stat. That's a nice little side note. Derek Carr, he wasn't the problem on, on Sunday. He wasn't spectacular, but he wasn't the problem. He wasn't the reason why the Raiders lost. 22 for 36, 267 yards in that touchdown that he got on the first drive. You know, was there's guy, were there guys that were open that he could have hit? Yeah, absolutely. Were there mistakes that he probably made? Yeah, absolutely. But ultimately, was he the reason why they lost the game? No. Josh Jacobs, 24 carries, 89 yards, and man, I, I really, again, I talk about him in great length all the time and say how much I like him, but this dude, I mean, he tweeted out on Monday that, uh, you know, um, I only played for the city, uh, sorry we, we didn't get it done or something like that. I mean, the dude is hurt. The dude has a jacked up shoulder. Everybody knows it. He probably shouldn't have been out there playing on Sunday. You can see him at times carrying his arm. I mean, you can see his arm just kind of like hanging by his side. The dude was only out there playing because he wanted to bring a dub home to, to Oakland. Can't get mad at that at all. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, and this is just my gut feeling. Wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play anymore this season. He has nothing to prove. He's already shown that he could be the dude. Uh, he'll probably win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, and if he doesn't, I know he doesn't care about that anyway. But the dude was out there just trying to get it done for the for the city of Oakland because they were closing down the Coliseum. And you can't get mad at that, man. You really got to respect that. So uh, my hat's off to Josh Jacobs for out there giving it everything he got. 24 carries, 89 yards. And, and we all know that the offense runs through him and, and Darren Waller. And it's just simple as that. Defensively, um, you know, Trayvon Mullen had his moments where he looked good. There was moments where he, he wasn't great, you know, but uh, he, he ended up having a pretty good game. Uh, had a couple of pass breakups. Uh, I think he had like six tackles. Uh, looked pretty decent. Uh, Max Crosby and Deion Jordan, they picked up the two sacks for the, the Raiders. And, and Max Crosby's been a guy that we've talked about a lot about how his motor never stops and he's fun to watch. And so he got, he has another sack on the season. Deion Jordan, he picked up a sack. Again, he's, he's kind of showing his worth ever since the Raiders have picked him up. So that's, that's kind of a cool little story. But just not enough. You know, the Raiders defense couldn't do enough to close out the game. And obviously the offense couldn't do enough to close out the game. And what's even worse and what makes the loss even worse is the fact that the Raiders led in every stat except for the one that matters. You know what I mean? Like basically they led in every single stat except for the one that matters, which is the score. But time of possession, the Raiders had the ball for 34 minutes. The Jaguars only had it 25 minutes. Yards, the Raiders had 364. Jags, 262. First down, the Raiders had 27 first downs. Jaguars only had 17. Fourth down efficiency, and this is something I'm going to speak on right now. The Jags were 1 for 1, the Raiders were 0 for 0. And the reason they were 0 for 0 is because they didn't go for it on fourth down. And I thought 
multiple times John Gruden had an opportunity to, to show that he believed in his team, believed in his offensive line, believed in his running back, believed in their execution that they could pick up fourth and one, and he chose not to go for it. Instead, he decided to kick a, or punt the ball and, and try to flip the field for field position. But, you know, when you're six and seven on the season and you're closed out at the Coliseum, why not go for it? Why not show that you have some stones and just go for it and say, you know what, what the hell do we have to lose? You know what I mean? Like, show the team, show the fans that are out there that have been out there partying all damn morning and, uh, and celebrating and getting ready for this game. Show the fans how much you, you want to get a W. Be aggressive a little bit. And instead, not being aggressive at all, kicking the ball, punting the ball. It's just, it's not, it's not good. And the fact that they couldn't generate anything in the third and fourth quarter, I mean, that's on the coaching staff. I've defended John Gruden many times because I feel like he has a plan in place and, and we all know he was the last coach that was successful with the Raiders. But, I mean, you can look at things and say, hey, man, that's, that's square on you, Jack. I mean, you know what I mean? You're, you're the head coach, so that, that's on you. And if you are failing to, to make adjustments at halftime and not be able to score in the third and the fourth quarters, and look, the Raiders have been outscored by, I think, 81 points in the third quarter in, in 2019. 81 points they've been outscored by in the third quarter. And on Sunday... They didn't score anything. So they were outscored completely in the third and the fourth quarter. And so, you know, we could talk about a lot of different situations. We could talk about, you know, the coaching staff. We could talk about Derek Carr. We could talk about the officials blowing a call on the sideline that they could have iced the game. And look, they did blow that call. Derek Carr slid inbounds. It's clear as day. I don't know why it's so hard to get a call right, but they got it wrong. Uh, you know, it, it kind of it leads to people that have the conspiracy theories that the officials hate the Raiders and that they're going against them. I mean, that that gives you reason to, to feel that way. You know, I, I can't say it doesn't. You could talk about a kicker who missed two field goals. But, you know, instead, the real conversation is why is Gruden and company getting out coached in the second half of games consistently all season long, clearly getting out coached. Clearly not making the adjustments that need to be made. Darren Waller had a monster first half and didn't do too much in the second half. You know why? Because the Jaguars made a, an adjustment to kind of take him out of the game. Then all of a sudden it was like it was Josh Jacobs or maybe a DeAndre Washington dump off or a Jalen Richard dump off. Or, you know, it was very little to do with the wide receivers. Yes, there was guys that had drops. Tyrell Williams is killing me with the drops. He's dropping the ball. Zay Jones is dropping the ball. But again, you know, it, it's it's. It's not the only reason. You know, there's multiple reasons that things are, are going bad, and it's not just the player's fault. A lot of it has to do with the coaching staff. It really does. And so, you know, I've talked about all the positives that the team has done this year and how they've shown that they're a better team than they were in 2018, but now they're on a four-game losing streak. So just as fast as you can, you can get that momentum and you can take that step in, in the right direction, you can lose that step. And that's what the Raiders are doing right now. They're losing the momentum that they had, what they had built, what they were all of a sudden looking good, you know, the success that they were having. Now, all of a sudden, instead of building on that success, they're, they're losing that success. Now, they're on a four-game losing streak with two games left to go. If they finish the season on a six-game losing streak, that's not an improvement. I mean, it's not. It, there's, there's improved parts. There's improved personnel. There's better players. But if you end the season on a six-game losing streak, that's not an improvement from 2018, even though your record's better. It's, it's just not. There's no way that you can dance it up. There's no way you can, you can shine it up. There's no way. I mean, again, you put lipstick on a pig. Guess what? It's still a pig. It just has lipstick on it. And that's, that's what it's going to be if they end this season on a six-game losing streak. They are in desperate need of a win, in desperate need of a win, and they should have had that win on Sunday. There's no reason why they took an L on Sunday, closing out the Coliseum. Just it almost act like they didn't have any heart. You know, and, and I, I mean, I'm going to talk about the way the Coliseum closed. I'm going to talk about that in segment number two. But I will say, Eric Harris, he was the first member of the Silver and Black to go over to the black hole. And, and you know, he, he was pounding his chest like, hey, my bad, my bad. Like, take a responsibility for the loss. You know, 
he was the first guy. And then Derek Carr came over later, and he was booed heavily. But, I mean, he went over there later. But every stinking one of those members of the Silver and Black should have been over there in the black hole. I'm sorry. Every single one of them, John Gruden included, should have all been over in the black hole. And I understand that there was stuff coming out of the stadium, coming out of the stands, and I'll talk about it in segment number two. Don't worry, I'm going to get there. But every single one of those players, every single one of that coaching staff should have been doing a lap around the damn Coliseum. That was the last game, and you take an L, take an L the way that you took that L, and then you don't even have the the heart or stones or, or anything to say, hey, our bad, and... You know, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys being here. We appreciate you supporting us. Nothing. Eric Harris and Derek Carr were the only two that I saw. There might have been a couple other dudes that went over there, but those are the only two that I saw. And I'll tell you why I only saw those two, because I had to get out of there because, well, it started to get crazy. And maybe that's why the players didn't go over there, because it was starting to get crazy. But I just felt like they could have done a little bit more. But anyway, I'll talk about that. Coming up in segment number two, ultimately the Raiders fall to six and eight on the season. Got two more games left to go. Desperately need a win, but uh, giving up 17 unanswered points to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are not a very good team, is a very, very disappointing, very disappointing way to go out and close out that Coliseum. And we'll talk about that coming up in segment number two. Before I get into that, though, I got to tell you about Blue Chew. And it's funny, at the tailgate on Saturday, or Sunday, excuse me, uh, Blue Chew was one of those conversations that we were having because I talk about Blue Chew all the time. And fellas, you know what it's all about. You know, it's about having good sex. You know, not not good sex like one hit or quit or good sex like one, two, three, four rounds. You know, you want to be that guy? Well, Blue Chew can help you do that. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it's going to work. You can take it anytime, day or night, full stomach or not. They're chewable, so they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. So basically, you could have been at the tailgate, and I'm not too sure why you'd take Blue Chew at the tailgate, but you could have. You know, you could have been feeling a little froggy. You know, maybe you, you ran across somebody that you thought, hey, man, I'm about to give her the blue chew business. Well, you could have done that. You didn't even have to eat anything. Maybe just, you know, walk around the tailgate and be like, oh, there it is. Boom, pop that blue chew and be ready to go. It's probably not how they wanted me to describe that, but it's all good. Blue chew is prescribed online by a licensed physician, so you don't have to go to the doctor office. You don't have to wait in no pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package, and they're made in the USA. They they ship direct, so they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and there's no awkwardness at all. Right now, now, definitely a great deal for all Locked On Raider podcast listeners. Go to BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to try it for free. BlueChew is a better, cheaper, faster choice, and I always thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Raider podcast. Coming up is segment number two. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are jumping back into today's episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Monday, December 16, 2019, much later than I normally have it up. And again, I apologize for that, but I'm on this West Coast time and I'm uh, yeah, trying to recover still. Just not recover like, like drunk recover, just recover, just trying to get my mind right. Just trying to get, you know, my body right, man. Everything, my body clock is off and I just was worn out from the weekend. So anyway, uh, it's been a fun weekend, no doubt about it. We're, me and the wife are going to jump on our plane at about 7.55 out of Oakland, land in a Central Texas, well, land in Austin about one, get back home about three, and boom, it's right back to work. So, uh, yeah, you'll be back on your regular schedule for the podcast coming up on Tuesday. But uh, today, this one's getting out a little bit later just because, well, just different circumstances are are playing a part right now. So here in segment number two, I want to talk about the Coliseum being officially closed because that's what it is right now. And uh, some of you may have some of the parts of the Coliseum at your house right now. 
Who knows? You might have a, a cup holder. You may have a back of a chair. You may have part of my wife's jacket that you ran by her with the chair in your hand and ripped her jacket and took it with you while you were trying to escape the Coliseum, uh, not police, but the Coliseum security guards. But that's all another story. I'll get to that ugly part of the, the Coliseum close, and I'll get to that at the end of segment number two. Here I just want to talk about uh, the Coliseum in general and the atmosphere and how great it was to walk across that bridge from the BART station on Sunday morning and just kind of look over the Coliseum and see smoke just everywhere, barbecue smoke, weed smoke, whatever it was. It was just, you know what I mean? It was just, it was that atmosphere. You could smell it. You could hear the music. You just knew you were back at the Oakland Coliseum. And for some, like my wife, never been there at all. And so it was a whole new experience. So, you know, taking a lot of pictures, just kind of soaking it all in. And, you know, for it's crazy, man, for one afternoon or, or, or whatever it is, whatever time the game is, when you're at the Coliseum, you have 65,000 people. And I say 65,000, whoever's there, you got 65,000 allies, basically. And, and that's what it was, man, just walking around, trying to find where our tailgate area was and, you know, eventually getting there, just seeing, you know, just seeing everyone so excited, seeing all the jerseys out, seeing all the, the setups, you know, the tailgates, uh, DJs, multiple DJs at multiple setups. And, you know, for our Locked On Raider podcast uh, uh, tailgate, there was actually a DJ. He wasn't there for us, but he was there. So it's kind of like an added feature to our tailgate. So that was kind of cool. Uh, I even stole the mic from him or I actually borrowed the mic from him. I don't think he liked it, but it's okay. I used the mic a couple times. Times, uh, you know, uh, with with him there, but uh, he was doing, he was man knocking them Bay Area Bay Area tracks. Man, I was up there dancing like I was in the club again or something. You know, like I was a uh, twenty three instead of forty three. But you know, it, it's all good. It's just once you get into that element, man. Once you get into that that atmosphere, it's just it's a game changer, you know. And, and it really, really is. And and what's crazy is that the Raiders haven't even been good. I mean, outside of twenty sixteen, the team hasn't been good in so long. You know, what I mean, I think I saw a stat that said that the Raiders had one winning season in the last 17 years at the Coliseum. Think about that. One winning season in 17 years, the last 17 years of the Oakland Coliseum. And that was 2016 when they went to the playoffs. That's a shame. But with that being said, the fans are still there. You are still there. I am still, you know, supporting the team. I mean, everybody is still there representing, and that's what you saw on Sunday, and, and that was great. You know, I mean, it really was just to see the way that everybody wanted to, to send the Coliseum out with the bang. I mean, look, the Raiders lost on Sunday. They didn't lose because of the lack of fans. <laughs> that's for sure. They didn't, they didn't lose because the fans weren't there uh, participating. The fans were loud early, and they were, they were loud often. You know what I mean? Like, the, the whole game just really, you could feel the energy, and, and normally I'm watching games on TV, but I guarantee you, if I had been sitting in my living room in Central Texas, I would have felt the energy of the crowd because the crowd was amazing. I mean, it, it really was. I mean, everybody, old, young, black, white. I mean, it doesn't matter who you were. Everyone was all one color on Sunday, and that was silver and black. Actually, I guess that's two colors. But either way, it was it was all one, one accord. And it was just, it was crazy from kids to, like I said, older people, uh, generations. You know, I, I met a couple of fans that, that I wanted to get on the podcast. I wanted to pull them to the side while we were at the tailgate and, and just kind of interview them. But it was just like, it almost felt like it wasn't the right setting for me to sit there and do interviews. It almost felt like you just had to, had to just live in the moment. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't do any of them. I, I took a couple numbers and I will get, get with them and, uh, you know, do a couple of interviews because I mean, I'm, I'm talking about generations of, of fans. You know, fans that are that are older that are like, hey, this, this is my son. My son is like 23 or whatever, you know, and they've they're they're grown up to be uh, Raider fans. And I raised them right. And I mean, it's just it was so much fun just interacting with, like I said, the, the Locked On Raider podcast uh, tailgate was amazing. Just so first of all, 
Hats off to everybody who participated in any way, shape or form. Hats off to you because that was just amazing. Just amazing to see all the people that, you know, uh, listen to the podcast and almost felt like we knew each other. It's like as soon as somebody introduced himself as, hey, uh, I'm Lokeland Raider. It's like, oh, yeah, you are. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that's right. Or, or Victor and Callie is like, cute, Victor and Callie. Hell yeah, it's Victor and Callie. You know what I mean? It's like it's almost like we were a family without ever really knowing each other. You know what I mean? And And I mean, just shaking as many hands as I did and giving as many hugs and taking them pictures. And, and it's not about me. It's about just the whole group, the whole family setting. And, uh, man, it was, it was, it was just, it was unbelievable, but it was, it didn't just stop there. You know what I'm saying? It was, it, it also went to every, every single tailgate that was going on. I mean, you could just walk through and, and all of a sudden spark up a conversation about anything and everything. And it all, you know, boiled back down to the Raiders. And so the fans were out early, man. They were, they were ramped up. They were ready to go. They just, just wanted to, to see their team one more time in the city of Oakland, in the Coliseum, get a W. And well, we all know that it just wasn't meant to be. And it's just, it's really unfortunate that, that the team let the fan base down. You know, it just it really is. And I, I kind of spoke on it a little bit on Friday's podcast about the fact that, you know, players come and go. Coaches come and go. Free agency changes things. It's not like you get drafted by the Raiders and you stay with the Raiders for your whole 15 year career if you're lucky to, to play that long. Sometimes you, you I mean, look, hell, nobody thought Khalil Mack was not going to be a Raider for his life. Right. Well, he played for the Raiders for four years, handful of years. And boom, he's in Chicago. Amari Cooper drafted by the Raiders. Boom, he's in he's in Dallas. I mean, things change. Things change quick, fast and in a hurry. But the one thing that never changes is, is you. The fan base never changes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what players come and go. You're still putting on your silver and black every Sunday morning getting ready for the game. You're still there cheering them on. It doesn't matter who it is, if it's Zay Jones or if it's Tim Brown. You know what I mean? It's like it, it just does not matter. And so for the Raiders to put out the performance that they did, especially in the second half on Sunday, and just let the team down, let the fan base down, I mean, it's just it, it's bad. I mean, it really is. It's really, really, really bad. It's almost like towards the end, they were just going through the motions. It wasn't, it didn't even seem like the, the fight was there to, to try to win the game. And again, the only guy that I felt like was really out there fighting and wanting to win games was Josh Jacobs. And I, look, Derek Carr, I'm not going to blame Derek Carr. He, he went out there and he tried and he had a hell of a play that he made and uh, was very smart about it, slid inbounds so the clock rolled and, uh, you know, didn't allow, didn't allow Jacksonville to have extra time, but then the referee got the play wrong. You know, then they got that wrong. So that was a, that was a negative. So, uh, you know, it just, I salute the crowd that was there. I salute everyone that was tailgating. I salute everybody that, you know, was rocking the silver and black. And look, we were all over town, even leading up to the Coliseum on our way. We took an Uber and just going up 580 and seeing all the Raider flags that were flying and, you know, getting on 880, which is the worst freeway in America, but getting on 880 and seeing, you know, all the, the Raiders barbecue pits, all the Raider flags, all the symbols on the side of cars, you know, just seeing everyone represent, you knew where everybody was going. It was, you know, if you were going to do some crime in the city of Oakland, Sunday was the day to do it because there was, you know, there was the rest of the city was like a ghost town compared to, to the Oakland Coliseum. So you got to salute to, to the fan base. Now, the, the part where I'll look at the fan base and say that was a negative was the way it ended. I mean, I'll just I'll tell you straight up the way it ended, knowing that the Raiders lost. Get it. I, I get it. I see the loss coming. That's fine. And it's not OK. Like I said, the, the Raiders, the, the way they played at the end was was embarrassing. It really was. And so I understand fr- fans' frustrations, again, because the fans have been the ones that have been there since day one. Uh, players will come and go. Players are going to go pick, pick up that big, fat paycheck and go cash it, and they'll be fine. You know, they'll go hang out with each other afterwards. But 
some of the things that just happened and took place after the game really just should not happen. And we as a fan base have got to do better. We have got to do better. I get it when the guy's frustrated at the end of the game and he flings his hat onto the field. The hat's not going to hurt nobody. It's not. It's not. So, okay, whatever. And I guess I can't say that one, one bad is better than the other bad, but I rather, I much rather you fling your hat that's going to be soft and it's not going to hurt anybody than throw your full water bottle gun it at somebody's head and I mean there's literally people on the field that were ducking water bottles like they were damn near grenades or missiles or something and then and then I mean if that wasn't bad enough and and look I know a couple people that threw some water bottles and that's I mean whatever I mean it it is what it is it's it's frustration but when you break off the cup holder of the back of the chair and then fling that thing I mean that is that that's a damn plastic cup holder that's strong you fling that thing at somebody's head and hit them upside the head I mean I know most people probably don't care what what kind of damage it would do? But what if that? What if you don't make it to the field? And what if it hits that kid in row three? What if it hits that kid in row three? What if it hits your kid? What if some other idiot does that and it hits your kid? What are you thinking? I mean, that's just that part to me. And I even I even told the wife because I wanted to sit there and see how you know just just see what was going to happen at the end of the game. I want to see if the the players were going to come acknowledge the fans or, or what they were going to do. So I wanted to stick around, but you know it was almost smarter. I should have probably said, hey, well the game's over. Let's go ahead and roll. Because I knew it was about to get ugly, and ugly it did. And I, I just, we, we have got to do better as, as a fan base. I mean, we really, really do. A couple cats jumped onto the field. What did you jump on the field for? Not only did your team lose, but then you spent the night in jail. That's a double loss. I don't know about you, but I'm not about waking up Monday morning in a jail cell trying to figure out how to get out. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I don't want to be that dude. And there was nothing for you to do. There was nothing for you to do on the field. All you did is jump on the field into the police hands. I mean, there was like no, there was absolutely no point of that whatsoever. I saw people like tearing up banners off the top of the dugout. Fine, if you want to take it home as a souvenir, I don't care. But when you start throwing stuff that is hard and can hurt people, yeah, that's just that's you're doing too much. That's when you're doing too much. I don't understand why a cup holder needs to be thrown. I mean, and you can hear them breaking off. We're standing there, and you can hear pop. All that was 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 cup holders being broken so they could be thrown onto the field. That's just, I mean, it's just, I, look, I get it. I get the disgust in the team losing. I get it. I was as disgusted as everyone. I mean, hell, people came from far and wide to go to that game. We came from Central Texas. You know, I mean, I, I changed my work schedule. The wife changed her work schedule. We all did. I mean, there's a lot of people. I, I met guys that came from Canada. I mean, people came from far and wide. But to be so pissed off that you're going to throw something that could really hurt somebody? I mean, honestly, how do you feel if you throw that cup holder, you gun it, and for some reason it doesn't make it to the field, and it hits, like I said, hits that kid in the back of the head? And maybe I'm soft because I'm 43 years old and I'm a parent now, and maybe when I was 23, maybe I would have been full of liquor and not care and just gone, gone with the flow. But I'm not 23, I'm 43, and I know better than that. It just, it just was embarrassing. It kind of was embarrassing, and then it, it, it leads to the, the, the national narrative where I know we're not supposed to care what people think, but... A lot of times people care what people think. And so it just, it got really embarrassing at the end of the game. And I just kind of shook my head and, and, and felt really bad for the perception because now it, it looks like, you know, all Raider fans are crazy wild, going to rush the field, throw stuff on the field and, and not give a damn about people that are in, in front of you or whatever. When that's not really the case, like 95% of the fans were really great. It's just the 5% of the fans that, you know, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't keep their cool. 
So that's not that's not cool. I had people hit me up on Twitter and was like, Q, were you the one that was throwing trash onto the field? Hell no. Hell no, I wasn't the one. I didn't even respond to those. Q, were you the one pointing laser printers at John Gruden's head? No. <laughs> no, I didn't respond to those either. You know what I mean? It's just like, no. Kidding me? Smarter than that. So uh, the Coliseum's officially closed now. You know, some some people have the back of chairs. I didn't understand that either, but okay. Break off the back of the chair to take it home with you. And, and like I said, one guy uh, trying to leave the Coliseum, one guy's walking out the out, out the, the front entrance, and I guess the security guard sees him and starts chasing him. And one, I don't know why security thought it was that serious. I mean, he already broke the chair. You might as well go ahead and let him have it at that point. But he started chasing him, and this dude thought he was like Ricky Henderson stealing bases, and he was going to take that thing home. And, uh, you know, he just... Runs right by the wife, runs right by the wife and, and rips her Raider jo- jacket that she had on and, you know, got a little welt on her arm. And look, she's going to be all right. That's fine. She, you know, she's not crying about it. But at the same time, it's like, what if that what if that had been something else or what if that had hit someone else or what if that had scraped across a little kid's head? Or I don't know, man. I just think that people don't think about the people around them enough. They, they're just thinking about what's going on with themselves. And and that's that's the unfortunate part of, you know, you going out to a game like that. You're going out to any kind of game. You, you put yourself around millions of different people or whatever, thousands of different people that don't have the same mentality of you. And that's cool. But every once in a while, man, we got to think about people around us. I just think we need to do better than that. I saw nachos, nacho bowls flying full of nachos. Well, I mean, that's not really going to hurt anybody, but you know, people, you guys spend your money on clothes, man. I'd have been pissed if a nacho bowl landed on my head or something or landed and got my, my clothes all dirty and jacked up. I'd have been, I've been hot, but you know, it is what it is. You know, I'm not sitting here pointing the finger and trying to make everybody feel bad and everything. I just I just thought that that was a little embarrassing and not really the way that you want to close the Coliseum. But I get it. The play on the field was embarrassing as well. So, uh, you know, it, it is it is what it is. You know, it's 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 I don't know. I don't. I mean, I I could keep keep on speaking on it, but there's not really a whole lot more to speak on. It's just it was a bad look. It was a bad look, and I think that Raider Nation needs to do better. Coming up in segment number three, your call straight off the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line seven zero seven six five four four six nine three. This is the Lockdown Raiders Podcast. You are locked on Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Here we are, Raider Nation, segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Final segment of the show. It's your calls straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with Jordan from Oregon. He's called a little earlier today to talk about the loss and is trying not to be over emotional or overreactive, but, you know, wants to point the finger at who he feels is really to blame the most for the failures of the Raiders of late. Here he is, Jordan from Oregon. Hey, Q, Jordan Oregon. Hey, man, just wanted to call in. Uh, try to not uh, make this an emotional call. Um, it's easy to do right now with what just happened, but I actually called you in Monday. I mean, listening to Monday's podcast to, to get a few things off my chest. Um, uh, first off, hope you guys had a good time um, in Oakland doing your thing, and, and uh, you guys really showed up big. You could feel the energy. Um, just from the standpoint of watching it in my my uh, my living room with my kiddos, I could I could feel the energy, and, and for that I appreciate it, guys. You guys really did it up. But um, what a disappointment! There's really no words that are going to make anybody feel better for a loss like that. Um, but what it does, I think, is it opens the eyes. It, it opens the eyes to some people that have been say kind of easy on Gruden and his staff. Um, it's you never can, can point 
a loss or a season on one person. It's, it's if you're doing that, you're you're kind of studying football a little bit the wrong way. But I think it it really is time to open your eyes to John Groot. Um, I've been reluctant to want to go in on him because I, I'm all about everything Gruden's doing. I've been watching this team. I'm 34 years old, and I've been watching this team. I haven't missed a game since 1995 when they first came back to Oakland. And, you know, all I know is, is the success of John Gruden. And so a lot of us are chasing that because that's all we know. I mean, a lot of us, Raider fans, let's face it, we're under, we're under 40, and if you're under 40, you know, you, you probably haven't gotten to, to be a part of those, you know, Super Bowls. Uh, maybe when you're really little, you experience one in 83. But let's face it, if you're my age and uh, you're kind of going off of the Rich Gannon days and the Jerry Rice and the Tim Brown team, and if that's the case, you're, you're associated with reading with that. And that brings back an exciting time in all of our lives. Well, I'm, I'm now one of the people that, that I am opening my eyes to this. And what I'm going to be watching for is if he loses this team over the next couple of games. we got two more weeks. I'm still going to be watching. I'll still suffer through every single one of these. But um, I want to see what the team looks like. I want to see the demeanor on the faces of individuals. I want to see which players just keep pushing. It's the push till the final whistle. I want to see John Gruden make some adjustments. He hasn't made a single adjustment at halftime since the Bengals game. Um, but anyway... Just trying to digest a lot here, and uh, hope you all doing well. Peace out, Raider Nation. I can't say you're wrong. I mean, I, I can't. I, I talked about it in segment number one. You know, Gruden carries a lot of the blame for sure. You know, and now, like you mentioned, his number one goal has to be not to lose the team. He has two more games left in this season. You cannot lose the team. And I mean, when, with a four game losing streak, it looks like they're they're close to being lost, right? You know, if you lose that team, if John Gruden loses the team before the season's over, then basically you're back at square one. You got you got some good players. You got some nice young pieces, but you'll be back at square one as far as building this thing the right way. So uh, thank you so much for that call. I appreciate you. Raider Al in Georgia, he's up next calling to talk about free agency money that the Raiders have and how just because you have it doesn't mean it's good to spend it. Here he is, Raider Al in Georgia. Q, what's up, brother? Long time since I called in. I'm sitting here. This is actually before the Jacksonville game. I'm watching Anna and Rob's Facebook, and you guys are having a great time out there, man. It sends chills through my spine, my brother. That is so nice. Shout out to Anna, Rob, Redbeard, Selena, everybody that contributed. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's so nice. But also, Q, let's get down to business, brother. I keep hearing about how much money we got in free agency. All right, we're going to have 93. We may going to have 100 million, something like that, okay? Shoot. Let's face it, man. Free agency is not always the way to go, okay? Reggie McKenzie said one time, just because I got a bunch of money, that don't mean I'm going to buy a bunch of junk. Let's just go over a few of these free agents. Trent Brown, a lot of money. Jury is still out. LaMarcus Joyner, definitely not worth the money. Definitely not worth the money. Trent Williams. Tyrell Williams. Always hurt. Definitely not a number one. Is he worth the money? To me, our best free agent signings this year, Richie Incognito and A.J. Cole. 
Let's beat Jacksonville. Go Raiders. Now, you bring up some good points, my man, and I appreciate your call. And it's been a while since you've checked in, but I definitely appreciate your call. And, yeah, LaMarcus Joyner, he's been he's been a, a free agent bust, no doubt about it. Tyrell Williams, uh, he, he's showing – He's showing why he might not have deserved the big money. You know, I mean, dropping the ball a lot. He's banged up a lot. Trent Brown, uh, he was sorely missed on, on, uh, on Sunday, wasn't he? God, Brandon Parker was getting just destroyed. And, uh, you know, there are certain guys that are worth, that are worth big time money. And a guy that plays for Jacksonville that I've talked about many times that was abusing Brandon Parker on, on Sunday, Yannick Ngakwe. He looks like a guy that you should spend a lot of money on, right? He absolutely dominated the Raiders' offensive line. He was the dude on Sunday. I mean, again, you want to spend money. If you're going to spend free agency money, and this is what I talk about when I say they have near $100 million to spend, don't go spend it on anybody. Don't go spend it on me and you. Go spend it on guys that can make differences. Ngakwe is a difference maker, as you could tell by what he did on Sunday. That's a guy that I'd go and spend big money on. A guy like Jalen Ramsey, he's a difference maker defensively. That's a guy I'd spend big money on. I'm not going to just spend big money on anybody. LaMarcus Joyner was supposed to be a difference maker. He was supposed to be that Swiss Army knife. He has really been a disappointment, no doubt about it. But, you know, uh, Trent Brown was good early before he was, he was banged up. He was really good before he was, he was banged up. That was money well worth spending, right? I mean, that, that was. Remember, Rodney Hudson was a free agent guy that Reggie McKenzie brought in years ago from Kansas City. And that was, that was money well worth spending. So, I mean, there's, there's a difference between just spending money and spending money in good, positive places. That's what the Raiders have to do is go spend money in good, positive places, get pieces that could build this team up, not just go get guys that are looking for paychecks. That's what they did year on top of year on top of year for the longest. You don't want to do that. If you do that, then you're back to square one as well. You need to to go and make good decisions with your money, not just go out and spend it because you got it. You're, you're absolutely right about that. So thank you so much for that call, Raider Al. Like I said, it's always great to hear from you. Army Raider, he's up next. He's calling in to give four observations, three good and one bad. And oh, by the way, he's a new booty. Here he is, Army Raider. Hey, Q. This is Army Raider. My first time calling, so I'm a new booty coming in from Germany to New Mexico, so I finally can call. Just want to make it quick with uh, three harsh outlooks and one positive going into next season after the abysmal performance I just seen. Number one, I've been a Derek Carr guy for a long, long time. And the past three weeks, he's lost me. And not for a lot of the reasons that other people are always sucks, always this, always that. With me, I've just seen him miss too many wide-open receivers. He'll have a guy running 10 yards open, and instead he'll check down to a running back for one yard. Or on fourth and one, he'll throw it away out of the back of the end zone when he has a dude standing wide open in the end zone. That's that's not winning football, and that's not a starting NFL quarterback. Two, Paul Gunther is just awful. I know he doesn't have the players that are needed to be an elite defense, but you can at least be a competitive defense. And I don't want to hear about they gave up less points this week because they played against Jacksonville, one of the worst teams in the league, and still couldn't get a stop any time it mattered. Number three, and I think this one's going to be hard for Raiders fans to hear, Watching this year, it seems like football is past Gruden by. Dude's offense is stuck in an era that no longer exists, and 
he lost the game today treating a 10-point lead like a 40-point lead. Finally, to finish on a positive, I think all these young players getting experience this year is going to pay dividends going into next year since we won't have to go sign a bunch of veterans for experience that don't deserve to be on a roster like Spinar our recent history in the off season. Anyway, son just woke up from the nap. He's angry. We'll take care of that. As always, Raider Nation. Thank you so much for that call, my man. And I appreciate you. Thank you for uh, all that you do. And uh, okay, to your observations, DC has, has lost you for multiple reasons the last three weeks. I can see that. I can see that. I mean, to me, I think the most alarming thing about Derek Carr, and this is, this is my biggest n- knock on him, I think, is that in this day and age of offensive-minded uh, play in the NFL and the way that the officials are officiating stuff for, for the, the offenses and it's way more wide open, I believe he's still the only quarterback in the league that has not had one 300-yard passing game. Not one 300-yard passing game. And I know that offense goes through Josh Jacobs. I know that the offense is you know dink and dunk and short passes and, and yak yards afterwards, but 300 yards should not be that hard to achieve. It really isn't, and that is something that he has not had yet this season. Paul Gunther not being a good defensive coordinator, I mean, you can go back and forth with that. I've talked about it multiple times. He doesn't really have any any guys on the defensive side of the ball to get it done, and I don't think Sunday was on him. You know, I, I know Sunday might have been the breaking point for a lot of people, but it wasn't on him. The Jaguars only had 75 yards of total offense and two first downs in the first half. I don't think it was Paul Gunther's fault that the offense couldn't generate any points, any points on Sunday in the second half. That was That was all bad. Um, you know, you talk about John Gruden and football possibly passing him by. Well, the lack of adjustments can kind of back that statement up. You know, I, I can't defend that because he is not adjusting. He's not. He has a lack of adjustments. Uh, trying on to hold on to a ten point lead like it's a forty point lead. That's a great point. You know, and then the young, the young guys, they are positive. That is something to definitely build this team around, and and uh, hopefully they continue to build in the right direction. Hillbilly Raider, he's up next. He hasn't called in for a while, but he's calling in to talk about the loss and the. The guy who's calling the shots. Here he is, Hillbilly Raider. Thank you, Raider Nation. Hillbilly Raider here. Uh, just quick thoughts um, immediately following the game. Regardless of whatever players we have, regardless of whoever our quarterback is, I could care less about that argument anymore. At this point, it comes down to, for some whatever reason, whoever our head coach is, is always conservative. Jack Del Rio did the same and I'm not sure why Gruden is the same way. I'm also not sure on the play calling from not running the ball to literally calling plays to dunk it uh, over to players for negative yards. Um, and defense, <laughs> uh, it is what it is. So altogether, my issue is coming down to coaching staff. Um, I'm not really sure why there's so much inconsistency, but, uh, but yeah, so... Obviously not the turnout we wanted, Raiders lost, but uh, I will say this, and as painful as it is, the way they lost um, is uh, makes complete sense. That pretty much sums up the last couple of years, so yeah, oh well, 
Raider Nation, Billy Raider out. Yeah, I mean, it's simple. You know, it's, it's real, real simple. The coaching staff needs to be much more improved. They need to improve themselves. They need to make adjustments at halftime. That's something that a lot of people have been knocking them for not doing throughout the season. And, I mean, it's just during this four-game winning, losing streak is really, really showing its ugly head. I mean, it really, really is. And it's something that has to be addressed. It's something that John Gruden and company are going to have to do in the offseason, figure out how to make those offseason or off, off uh, or halftime adjustments. They just are going to have to figure out how to do that. If they can't, then, well, it's it's going to be a lot more days like this, and there will be a fun day, a fun celebratory day. So thank you so much for that call. It's good to hear from you, my man. Luke from Connecticut, he's up next, and I just got a couple more calls for today's show. But Luke is up next. He's calling in after the game to vent, get something off his chest that he's sure others have noticed, but just kind of feels like he needs to speak on it. No, by the way, he's a new booty. Luke from Connecticut. Uh, hey, Q. Uh, first time here calling Locked On podcast. It's uh, Luke from Connecticut. So just uh, finished watching the game. I don't even know what to say, but it took this moment here to to make me feel to actually call your podcast. Been listening for for about a year now. Great job. I for whatever reason this 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 team became gutless after that Jets game. And maybe we just never noticed it throughout the whole season. Uh, I just wanted to point something out. I mean, probably other people have noticed it too, but I just wanted to get it off my chest. This team, it's the same team every week. And I think what it is is that teams are just picking up on it. The offense is one-dimensional. It all goes through Josh Jacobs, and Josh Jacobs is a hell of a player. But everybody likes to blame Derek Carr. And I've been a Derek Carr fan. I still am. I like the guy. Uh, I think when you have a guy like that who's been in the league for years, we've seen him make all kinds of throws, and we know that he has the ability. And a lot of fans like to dog him because he just hasn't given us the good results that we wanted. But honestly... I think this is a whole team. I think you could put any quarterback on this team, aside from probably a, an Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, you know, those those top-tier guys, Lamar Jackson, and you wouldn't really get much better results. You'd probably get worse. Uh, the game plan is run, run, pass. You run first. And, you know, when Josh Jacobs gets rolling, that's fine. Gruden will keep calling run plays until they get a stop. All of a sudden, each drive, you run, run, run. They get stopped for a loss all of a sudden. And two things happen. They run again, maybe get a little short yards play or they get no gain. They'll call a pass, a little out pass, just to get some yards back. And all of a sudden, we're looking at third and long. Now, this is what I've noticed. This is how almost every single offensive drive has stalled. It becomes third and long. And either the pocket collapses, someone drops the ball, or it's just a bad play. Losing on a Renfro hurt. But that's no that's that's not an excuse. The play calling, I don't understand why this team, why the offensive scheme, everything is one, two, three, first down, second down, third down. We never move the chains. We never attack. Yeah, I mean it's it's obvious, man. The offense Goes through Josh Jacobs. There's no doubt about that. 
Uh, everything is, is pretty predictable. I think I was standing in the, in the stands in the black hole on Sunday and I said, all right, this is going, this is a corner fade route right here to Darren Waller. And then boom, second later, boom, corner, corner fade route. You know, the problem I have with the offense, I don't mind it going through the run game. I don't mind being Josh Jacobs being the, the dude because you can build off of that. But when Josh Jacobs gets it to second and one, you've got to go for a play action pass there. You've got to take a shot when you have an opportunity. Second and one is the perfect time to take a shot down the field. Not, you know, third and 11 when everyone knows that you're going to drop back and you're trying to get a chunk yard. No, you got to take a shot when you have the opportunity. And Josh Jacobs set up the Raiders multiple times on Sunday for second and one. That's when you take a, a, a shot. That's when you say, you know what, play action pass and you go down the field. And instead, they would just hand it off to the running back to pick up the one yard and the first down. That's a wasted opportunity. That, that's, I mean, that's an absolute wasted opportunity. How many times did the Raiders have short fields on Sunday and not, not capitalize on it? Multiple times they have good short fields and didn't capitalize on it. So that's that's a problem. And the word that you use that is perfect is attack. The Raiders are not attacking. Next up is Raider Fonzo. He's calling in to talk about the Raiders' loss and, and just how they went out and, and lost at the Coliseum for the last time. And of course they would, right? Fonzo's not seeing too much progress from the 2019 Raiders. Here he is, Raider Fonzo. Hey, what up, Q? This is your boy, Raider Fonzo, in the 951. Uh, in, checking in after this amazing Jags-Raiders game. Of course, it was only fitting that we lose the last game at the Coliseum. I mean, I don't know what else to say, man. To quote my boy Danny Green, we are who we thought we were. I mean, it's the truth. Um, man, God bless you, Q. You're a very positive dude. You see progress and, oh, Derek Carr, you know, be the quarterback next season. You know, all this stuff. God bless you, man. You're a way more positive person than I am because – Bro, I see no progress. We're going to end up with a 6-10 and 10 record this season on a six-game losing streak to end the season. Probably the only positive is we're going to end up with a top-10 pick, which is great. Um, hopefully the Bears lose two more games, so we get an even better pick from them. But what progress, man? I mean, we can make excuses every day. Oh, this guy's hurt. Oh, this hurt. Oh, we don't have receivers. Oh, this, that, and the other. I mean, it just comes down to effort. And... I mean, for lack of a better term, man, you might want to bleep this out. Balls. And we don't have them. This team doesn't have it. Aside from James, from Josh Jacobs and um, Waller, I mean, we don't have it, man. This team is But, all right, man. Just want to hear your take on this, dude. Bye. I'll agree, my man. The team has definitely taken steps back in the past few weeks, uh, for sure. They had early season success, and and one of my keys and one of my shows was called How to Build on the Early Season Success that They're Having, and they haven't done that. You know, it's almost like something we talked about last week, that they're running out of gas, that the tank is on empty, and they're just trying to get to the finish line, and it's just it's ugly. Right now, on a four-game losing streak, man, they've got to find a way to clean this thing up. They cannot finish the season on a six-game losing streak. I was gunning for 8-8. Eight and eight. I was hoping that that's how they would end the season, at least 8-8. Eight and eight. That would be a four-game Four games wins better than they had in 20, 2018. But at this point, that looks very unlikely, doesn't it? And Josh Jacobs, I, I assume, and this is just me, we'll find out later on today when John Gruden has his press conference. John Gruden, uh, Josh Jacobs is probably going to be out the rest of the season. I mean, he, he's really only playing because he was trying to pick up a W for the, for the city of Oakland. So I, I'm assuming that he's probably going to be out the rest of the season the last two games. He has nothing to prove. You want to keep him healthy. You don't want to damage him anymore where he has to have offseason surgery. So you just you got to protect what you have. And I, I think Josh Jacobs is probably going to be shut down the rest of the season. Uh, Darren Waller, 
he, he's been he's been nice. And again, it's him and Josh Jacobs, and they both are over a thousand yards on the season. That's a hell of an accomplishment. And uh, you got to tip your cap to Darren Waller because as far as he's come, I think that's really stinking cool. So uh, thank you for that so much for that call. I appreciate you. Final call of the show. Final call of the day comes from Raider Rock in South Korea. He's calling in to give his feelings of what he saw on Sunday from the Raiders. Here he is, Raider Rock out of South Korea. What's up, Q? This is uh, Raider Rock from South Korea calling in. Woke up at 5.30 this morning to catch the game and really disappointed in the result, obviously. I'm not going to put the blame on Carr on this. He's getting no help from his wide receivers. We had three perfectly thrown balls dropped by a bunch of people um, where drives couldn't continue, and you could tell that he was frustrated. Um, You know, he got us down there to get a field goal, um, you know, and if we missed it, but the way the defense is playing, you know, even if we got the field goal with six points, I don't know if we would have won the game even with that. So uh, second half, just uh, the offense is disappointing. We can't put any points up on the third quarter. I think that's on the coach, you know, because he can't make the adjustments whereas in the other team is, and the defense is just, you know, injuries and all of that, that's great. But, I mean, we need a stop. And I don't know whether it's the coach, but I, I just feel like uh, Paul Gunther is is at risk here, you know, from coming back next season. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, keep on keeping on, I guess, Raider Nation. Goodbye. Yeah, man, the second half was terrible. No points in the second half is absolutely unacceptable. There's no reason for that. And, um, you know, uh, there's there's a good chance that the defense has lost faith in the offense, you know, especially in the second half. If they feel like, oh, now it's going to be on us the rest of the game, they may, you know, they may have lost faith in them. I, I talked about last week, you know, does does one guy trust the guy next to him? Well, does the defensive unit trust the offense? Does the offense trust the defense? You know, does the head coach trust the defensive coordinator? Does the defensive coordinator trust the offensive coordinator? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's got to be some kind of disconnect and there's got to be some kind of lack of trust among the team right now because of all the failures that they've had. It's easy to trust the next guy next to you when you've had a lot of success. But when all of a sudden you're on a four-game losing streak and you don't see any end in sight, that's when you start losing faith in the guy next to you. And that's when the trust factor, uh, you lose that. And, and that is going to hurt a team moving forward. So they got to find a way. Gruden's got to find a way to turn this thing around the next two weeks and show these guys that this is the right right direction. And these coaches are the right coaches to get you where you need to be. That's going to be a hell of a job. That's going to be a bigger task than even trying to win games. So we'll see what he does. But right now, I think that the defense and, and offense don't believe in each other. And they've both both units have given reasons to the other units to, to not trust and, and believe in them. I mean, they just have the offense. There's been multiple times they've been good and the defense has stunk. And there's been times where the defense has been good and the offense stinks. I mean, so it's just it's gone hand in hand. So thank you so much for that call. Thank you, everybody, for that call. I've got a ton of calls on the Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line that I wasn't even able to get to. Uh, we'll get to a lot more of those on Tuesday's show. We'll get back to our normal time of having the show put up uh, on Tuesday. Uh, everything should be good as long as this flight from uh, Oakland to Austin doesn't 
go screwy somehow. And we all know my history of flights, so can't say that that's not going to happen until it doesn't happen. So uh, we should be talking again at this normal time that we usually do on Tuesday. Uh, appreciate everyone's support. Appreciate everybody who was at the podcast uh, the tailgate party. Uh, appreciate every hand that I shook and every picture that I took with everybody. Uh, again, man, I could talk all day long, and if nobody's listening, it really doesn't matter. So thank you so much for everyone who, who tunes in. There was even people in the stands that were like, your boy Q, they saw the back of my jersey, and they're like, hey, are you the guy with the podcast? There was a lady, and damn it, I forgot her name, and I wasn't supposed to forget her name. She gave me, hold on, I took a picture. Let me see if I can go to my phone and check. Okay, yeah. So anyway, so her sign says, I flew out here from Erie, Pennsylvania, home of Freddie B., uh, just so I can see all my friends in the black hole. So shout out to her. And I forgot her name, but I, I apologize. I do have a picture of her. <laughs> so thank you, uh, you know, for for saying hello and introducing yourself. And, you know, there's a couple other people that I met in the stands as well that listen to the podcast. So thank you so much for all that. Uh, appreciate you. And uh, we'll talk again on Tuesday. So until then, Raider Nation, as always, just win, baby.